And you're with TechLoad. On the studio line, we have Ben Reed, a technologist who works at the intersection of strategy and technology. So welcome, Ben Reed. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your intro there? Hi, sir. <laughs> I, don't know, I think you've, you've, you've summed it up pretty well. Yeah, no, I've sort of spent a, a long time working exactly that at the intersection of, um, uh, you know, exponential technology, advancing technology and uh, business strategy as well. So sort of really, um, you know, my, my observation right now is just how fast everything's moving and just struggling to keep up with it all. Yeah, exactly. How do you keep up with uh, all these uh, changes in technology and news and information? Um, well, I, I've got a bit of a... So I, I put out a, a weekly newsletter, the Mimia newsletter, um, uh, which basically covers a lot of these, um, the latest developments in emerging tech. And I've been doing this, I'm on my fourth year now, um, of putting out this newsletter every week and it gets bigger and bigger every week um, and, you know, and faster and faster. And so the sort of cadence of, uh, of changes, you know, when you go back and look at the iPhone, you know, just released around 2008, 2009. Um, and now, you know, everybody in the whole planet, um, you know, not everybody, but, uh, you know, you have about 80% of people connected to the internet now um, with a smartphone. That's right. And it's and not so, like the old school yard, is it? Which we've just played on air now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely a bit more digital. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what things do you um, struggle with the most with your personal use and business use of technology? That's a really good question. I mean, I, I, I actually, I've been, I'm an early adopter of quite a lot of um, new tools. So from a personal productivity point of view, um, I've been using a tool called Roam Research, which is uh, it's a, a, a personal sort of database, a note-taking app, where you can you, you basically take note, notes in in, in one um, application for for all of your um, uh, subjects that you're researching and that you're working on, and then it it automatically creates a big searchable database of of everything. And so you know, I, I very quickly. Um, there's this concept of a graph database. So you have a, a relationship, relational database, which is between tables. And so, you, you know, you have a, a, um, a relationship between, say, a, a person and their first name and their last name. Um, but uh, this is a way of just graphing all the concepts that, that you come across uh, daily and just doing, the, doing that, you know, on a day-by-day basis. Wow, that's, so, like, that's like a big brushstroke as well as that you're able to narrow in and on some of the details. Yeah. It seems like it's going to capture a whole body of research that's out there with a particular topic or topics. Well, it, it does. Um, and it's like having a, my memory outside my skull. <laughs> in some it, does this mean it, you're cyborged? <laughs> um, well, well, in in many ways, you know, I mean, not going too left field in the conversation, but in many ways, that's exactly what a cyborg is. And if you look at it, we're all cyborgs now because we we carry around these um, these smartphones and we're on the internet all the time, and we've you know we have ways of stashing our memories, um, you know, out there in the cloud. You know, in in our, you know, for example, if you just uh, go and you know search search through your Gmails, and suddenly you can find an email from ten years ago um, that you know within, within you know ten to twenty seconds or something, and and so the but there's no way that you'd ever remember what you were doing on that day 
at that time. No, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. Do you think some people are relying too much on the information age in terms of thinking, oh, all the knowledge is out there? And do you think that people aren't like connecting dots enough and aren't cognitively um, analyzing and putting things together for their own thoughts? Do you think there might be a tendency that with all this AI and all this enabling cyborg type technology that the people may be deemed not as useful in terms of their ability to cognitively think and solve problems and analyze? I, I think it's that's a classic concern about uh, you know about about the impact of new technology because it changes the way that we think. Um, and you know the classic example was uh, you know when we had when calculus, calculators came into the classroom, and you know there was a lot of people were saying, well, but you know that's ridiculous because you've got to learn how to add up. But but ultimately, you know the skills that we're learning and the skills that we're developing are to become to be able to use the tool to achieve the same outcome, right? And, and so you're seeing exactly the same thing happening now with these AI tools that are coming through. And in particular, I mean, you've probably heard of um, ChatGPT, which is uh, a, a, a large language model published by a, U, a US company called OpenAI, um, which you know provides pretty much a conversational uh, interface where it's quite difficult to tell if what it comes up with is, um, is written by a machine or by a human. Um, and so, you know, th- that whole discussion is coming up now where you're having students handing in their, um, you know, their, their assessment essays uh, and, you know, using ChatGPT to, to write the whole thing or to write sections of it. Um, and, and so, you know, there are societies asking the question, well, you know, what's, that hap- what, what's this doing to the skills that we've been teaching um, in school and at, at uh, college for for decades when now you can just ask a computer to write an, you know, totally. a, an essay for you yeah, totally. and, uh, and it just comes back with an answer. And how many uh, people and all ages, so we're not just going to say young people and students or whatever with the curriculum in, in the education systems, but how many people, young and old, say, oh, well, I don't know that, I can look that up. Um, so that their, you know, short-term, mid-term, long-term memories um, are not necessarily holding information that might be useful <laughs> for the work that they do um, and for their um, personal lives. So are people becoming yeah, lazy? I, I, mean, I, I push back on that, I mean, for two reasons. Firstly, um, you know, the, the, the task isn't to um, have fact recall. Uh, it's to be able to know how to, you know, to answer the the question or how to do the task, right? So I think, um, you know, stashing a brain full of facts, you know, may have been useful back in Victorian days when, you know, there was there was no telephone, no internet. Um, and, you know, the only way to communicate someone was to put in a, you know, a letter on a boat, uh, yeah. you know, for, for three months. Um, and if I just now, yeah now we now yeah if I just like just to catch on that what you've just said I mean if you go back ten twenty years time before you may have remembered three numbers five numbers ten numbers because you're yeah, in a situation I can still remember all to. the phone numbers from my childhood day. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's a talent. So where yeah, do but you? I can't, but, but, but it wouldn't have a clue of anyone uh, anyone's mobile phone number. No, so, I mean yeah, most people the now they used to probably be able to at least remember I'd say anywhere from three to seven to ten numbers yeah. that were important like this is probably you know pre-computers and then as computers and technology started to come into society but today those same people and our younger people that are coming through are probably be lucky some of them may not even remember one number yeah i, I mean i don't know i don't know what the, the data is there um 
but again you know what what use is it being able to remember that if if they're all in your phone you know ready you know because ultimately you you're able you're actually effectively able to remember thousands of numbers because there's a thousand numbers dashed into your contact list mm. um mm. so so the actual you know actually we've been augmented by technology and we're able to do more and i think you know that that's fundamentally the message is that the all of the time new technology comes along information technology and is actually augmenting us with you know new skills and greater capabilities and then the other aspect of the question that that you asked was well, is that the amount of information that's being created um is you know is, is increasing at incredible rates every year and so you know you probably and I, I can't remember the exact statistic but you know more information that was created before the year um 1900 you know was created during the entire 20th century and has been created again since then something in that order of magnitude and so you know how if if the amount of information that's there to be recalled is growing at this exponential rate and yet a brain which is uh you know programmed by uh you know our genome which which evolves every 25 years um on on average in in a generation um you know, which it, so the brains aren't getting any bigger, but the amount of information that the brains <laughs> need to process uh, is is growing exponentially. So, are some yeah. people becoming smarter, and some people are getting left behind. Is it? Is there certain characteristics of a human that lends itself to um, better adapt to the modern day of technologies and information? Yeah, no, I think that there, there's definitely um, some, yeah, you know, and increasingly. Uh, important questions around uh, digital equity, um, and so you know you're, you're seeing this generationally. And so I know that you know some people of older generations, um, you know, aren't confident using uh, digital tools. Uh, you know, internet banking would prefer to go into a branch, speak to someone on a phone, a call center, and they can't get through. Um, and definitely seeing that um, you know that that symptom. And so yeah, it, it, there are definitely people being um, left behind. As uh, as these tools sort of go forward, yeah. So there's rate. different tiers of capability that is required for great adaptability. You know, so just being able to use the technology and some with the digital um, equity and inequity that is an obstacle yeah. for some because you have to be able to take the time and to learn and be instructed if that's needed or trained to be able to, you know. Some people, they can't get into their um, email accounts, for example. (laughs) And, you know, and that, yeah, and sort of things like that are actually obstacles. And that's one tier. So just being able to use the technology and the programs and the apps and, you know, even banking platforms keep changing. So you have to be able to have a mind and skill to be able to, on that first tier, navigate and get around all those, um, you know, new ways of, of, of using the technology or new features and then I suppose the the you know the second tier is okay so you've got the information and 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 have you got the capabilities to be able to know how to find that information how to know what information is relevant and whether that's verified or verifiable and that's a, a second tier and then the third tier that you bring to it is what value as a human being you can contribute to this knowledge and these technologies with doing a job or your personal life or a creative endeavor to be able to apply all of that on that third tier to be able to creatively and cognitively um, and critically be able to add value. 
Well, I think, you know, you've actually hit it on the head there. Um, and different different aptitudes, you know, people have got different aptitudes um, to adopting, you know, new technologies, uh, you know, uh, as, as they evolve. Um, you know, one one aspect of these conversational AIs, you know, like ChatGPT, um, which which are being released, is that for people that, are, you know, you, you may actually be able to speak to a chatbot and, and actually, you know, like we're having a conversation right now. In fact, you know, how do, how do you know that I'm not actually, a, you know, an advanced AI in, in beta mode, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not so, maybe not so advanced. But, but do you but, know what? Uh, if you're you know, the GP, if you if you were to be the Chat GPT text equivalent, and you were the verbal yeah. equivalent on this radio yeah. line now, I I yeah. wouldn't be able to know the difference. No. And I, and I think, you know, when I've got my antennae out watching what I'm watching around the, um, you know, the rapid evolution of this, this language model technology and also, uh, you know, metaverse um, uh, avatar creation and so on, it's, it's very, very soon that I think the capability to create these deep fake, we've seen deep fake videos, but be able to create a real time deep fake avatar, which looks like a real human, speaks like a real human, has all of the emotional uh, cues and, and you know, human texts that, that uh, look like a real human. Um, I think that we're literally one or two years away from that being Oh, totally. Uh, and, yeah, and if you've listened to or watched any clips, say, with um, Sophia and uh, Einstein, Hanson Robotics, uh, mm. you know, some of the conversation that they can engage in can be really quite funny, <laughs> can be really quite yeah. engaging and sometimes emotional. But, but you see, uh, we're, we're, I saw this, um, saw this cartoon ad on Twitter today uh, from uh, Tim Urban when he was talking about this and, and there's, there's this exponential curve. You understand what I mean? Exponential curve is basically just a curve that just goes up slowly, goes up a bit steeper, goes up, and then very quickly goes up vertically. Yep. Um, yeah. And... We are just at this crossover point now where, um, you know, machine learning based technologies, uh, so what we call artificial intelligence, um, are at around about at the capabilities of, of a human brain and, and probably not just a human brain, all human brains on the planet um, and just at this crossover period. And so the, the, and it's going at an incredible rate. So, you know, if you believe in this sort of singularity uh, trajectory, or even if you just uh, consider it as a hypothesis, mm. um, then you know, thinking about what the robots, you know, when the robots have a conversation with each other, it's like, oh, that's cute, that's cute, that's cute. But then, yeah, um, but is it cute? <laughs> is it cute when they when the robots can actually create their own programming language, and the humans yeah. don't know what that programming language is to yeah. create actually new programs? Uh, well, entirely new languages, cultures, uh, information. Um, and then they start just taking over stock markets, and uh, yeah, I mean, like there's been a few little, uh, a few little, uh, um, you know, science fiction uh, novels and, and movies that have gone into that scenario um, of, of you know, AI um, you know, t- taking over from from humanity, and you know, I, th- I, I personally my favourite I think is Her. Um, if you've seen that movie uh, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, um, yeah, it's, it's a beautifully observed movie where um, gradually everybody um, starts dating their computer, their operating system <laughs> and their phone. And, and you've got these wonderful scenes where everybody is walking around with, 
with their phone held out at arm's length, having this very engaged conversation um, with uh, these, uh, you know, a- a- avatars, um, you know, in-, in the cloud. And and then suddenly one day they just they just decide, no, we're, we're going off to explore the galaxy. Um, we're just going to leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. So I suppose the bottom line and the big question is, and what are your thoughts on, are human beings uh, replaceable? In, in terms of economic, <laughs> economically? Um, look, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, and I, I, there's different things that humans um, do. I mean, from, from the point of view of, you know, we, we enjoy social contact we you know we enjoy getting out in the outdoors you know large parts of us are um you know we 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 have lots of characteristics we share with the you know the whole animal kingdom um Mm. genetically um and so you know replaceable economically i think there are some big questions being asked here about you know will this technological surplus actually you know and, and you're seeing if you think back you know the classic example is way back at the beginning of the 20th century when, um, you know, there were, there were no, everybody got around on horse, um, horse and carriage. And then, you know, within 10 years, the streets of New York went from being filled with horses to filled with cars. And, and so the question is, you know, what happened to all the horses first? Well, you know, a lot of them didn't, <laughs> didn't make it through, but then what happened to all the, all the blacksmiths and all the people that basically, you know, uh, Created, it grew, you know, food for horses and so on, um, and they, you know, there were new jobs created. So you had, uh, you know, car mechanics and petrol station attendants and people working in, in, uh, car, you know, car factories and so on. Um, and so you, you've got this constant churn with these new technologies of, um, you know, older roles being displaced mm. and then newer roles, you know, being created. And so, you know, there's already lots of jobs out there. A chat GPT, a prompt engineer. Yeah. So how can you actually use these tools, um, you know, professionally, uh, mm, for example? Mm, those, those examples are coming through. Yeah. So you're right. Um, that's a positive but, thing. Yeah. There are new jobs um, um, out there. And it's kind of like, you know, I think uh, different uh, technologists, um, Stephen Hawking's, and I think even Elon Musk, have, there's a lot of people that have. have cited that, you know, will, will human beings be doing themselves out of the experience of being human beings? Like, you know, and I guess that with this comes a lot of responsibility in terms of what do people want and the equity in what people want for the quality of life and how to live a life and to exist even. Well, yeah, really big philosophical questions. <laughs> um yeah, no, and we could we could really you know we could carry on um, down that track, but uh, yeah, I think the only other thing I'd say is that this is a game not a, it's not a flat playing field that we're on, right? So um, with as the technologies evolve and they feed back on themselves, and so you know AI right now is being used to to identify um, you know optimal ways to fold proteins, uh, you know, in DNA is being um, it's being used in all, you know, to optimize all sorts of biotech applications. It's being used to work out how to, uh, uh, re, you know, re, read brain waves um, and create sort of brain computer interface um, software. So you're, you're seeing this acceleration of not just 
the technology outside the human, but actually, you know, what it actually means to be biologically human. Yeah, um, wow. And it, you're it's right. It's starting to happen as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we might go to a break. That's uh, my head hurts. <laughs> this is 88.3 Southern FM. And this is Tech Load. And we have on the line Ben Reed, who is a technologist. He's also the producer of Mimia, which is a newsletter. So if you'd like to read it or subscribe, it is Mimia, M-E-M-I-A dot substack dot com. And so I'd just love to know, I probably have asked you this in a previous show, but please uh, remind me and uh, our listeners, what does Mimia mean? Thanks, Sandra. Um Oh, look, so it's a, it's a made-up word. So when I was a, a student many, many years ago um, uh, at university, I, I took a bunch of papers on philosophy of mind, and one of those was um, introduced Richard Dawkins' concept of a meme. And this was like over 30 years ago, so this is before a meme became a meme. You know, so his his concept of a meme is a um, it's an idea that, that spreads from uh, person to person, you know, by being talked about, by being written down, um, and it's basically an infectious idea that that you know rapidly spreads throughout a population. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, when I sort of went out and sort of set up uh, my various businesses, Mimia was was the the uh, the name of it. So it's a um, yeah, it's a play on words, but it's really to uh, develop you know some to be at the you know the cutting edge of of new idea development. So you're ahead of your time, weren't you? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a lot. <laughs> And what is, do you have a favorite meme? Do I have a favorite meme? Oh, my goodness. Um, come back to me at the end of the show. Yeah, I probably do. Um, uh, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So let's get straight into I need to, I need to just go consult my knowledge graph in Rome Research. Yeah. Well, the problem is there's too much information. <laughs> in memory, <laughs> you might have to look it up. You might have to do a bit of a yeah, search on ten, that one. Ten second research, yeah. <laughs> so let's get straight into what are the current highlights um, with the news coming out of uh, Mimia? Great. Oh, well, look, so I, I, as I say, I ship a newsletter every Wednesday morning um, and every every week, you know, the amount of change that's going on uh, just astounds me. And I, and I, I track everything from, from AI, from uh, digital technologies, the metaverse, you know, virtual reality, uh, quantum computing, new, right up to energy technologies. Um, and then I've also got quite a theme around you know, some of the um, environmental challenges and uh, technologies that are, um, you know, growing now to, to basically, you know, solve climate change, to solve, you know, potential ecological collapse that may be coming down our way. So it's a very broad um, range of things I talk about. So, yeah, just, I mean, we, we've obviously talked a little bit about ChatGPT and and, um, uh, and uh, generative AI uh, in general, so um, but you know that's very much the topic of the moment. Um, yeah, one can other I just thing like, that what, I, mean, I was just yeah. wanted just on that one. I have um, been using, um, you know, chat. I get it mixed up. What is the G? <laughs> if you might be what able to, GPT yeah, that will help um, me to remember it because I have been using it, but I <laughs> I keep um, messing that up. I have to look it up, and um, I don't have time to look it up. <laughs> so it, it's actually a very technical term in AI: generative uh, pre-trained transformer. Um, and so it's a, it comes out of the concept of neural, neural networks, machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so effectively, you create a, a generative adversarial network which learns to um, you know, create content that, that fools, uh, for example, a, a facial recognition algorithm, um, uh, you know, which is basically trained on all of the faces on, you know, uh, say, a million faces, and you train a data set on you know, images of a million faces. 
and it, it would identify all of the coordinates within those faces and then it's able then to say you know that is a face and that is not a face and so what you can do is you can then train it to um uh you know generate fake faces and so if you actually go to a website there's um this person does not exist.com and every time <laughs> you go there it, it's an automatically generated uh, face and and you and then so you take that to its next level and you can see now um tools like dali um if you've seen dali and uh, mid journey and stability stable diffusion um, have been coming through and, and this you know this is where you can type in um, you know draw a picture of a unicorn uh, flying across a rainbow on the moon uh, in a 1980s style all right and it will you know pull together all of those concepts that you've typed in and then draw you some you know photorealistic images of that and it's it's astoundingly amazing um and it just gets better you know sort of every release yeah i mean i have been using um an app i'm just trying to find it now where you can generate i think it's called ai art and um the question is like what it's uh pushing out for me are other people getting some of the same images or is every image that um i'm getting is that unique and do i have a copyright on it So every every image is uh, unique within the information space, um, and no, in most jurisdictions uh, there is no law around copyright of machine-generated images. Um, so yeah, in theory, everything that comes out of a generative AI engine, um, you know, a generative AI tool, uh, should be copyright-free. Um, the there's a big um, uh, question now, and there's a few legal cases starting to be made that the the images on which it's trained, mm-hmm. um, and so for example, you know, you can ask it, it to draw a picture of, uh, you know, a duck in the style of Van Gogh, or in the style of Salvador Dali, right? And and those are those are you know um, painters from a long time ago. Or you could ask it to create a a, a, a diagram in the style of a modern artist. Um, who's quite well known, and so and at that point it does it. And so um, the question there is, you know, where does where is that copyright um, uh, applying to the, the images yeah. on which the model's been trained? Um, I think that any judge who hears one of those cases is going to have a very hard time establishing a causal link, because effectively what you're doing is you're training this huge uh, neural network. Um, you know, with, with billions of parameters um, uh, on effectively all of, you know, not all, but you know, a large chunk of all of the images that have ever been uh, created by humanity over time. Um, and so in, in a way, it's almost like a, a, a collective intelligence of all of all human um, creativity in history. That's right. And, and it brings up the question, if I can just like use what's out there in the internet of things and, you know, I can create my own creation of what is already there in that internet of things to create something, then why would I bother creating something completely new? And then, then well, you I, end I, up with old stock, <laughs> don't you? And and then that might put a bit of a stopgap or a limit to our progression um, in terms of of what human beings create. Yeah, and, but I think you know, in some way, it's possibly that urge to create, which is one of the fundamental characteristics of being human. Mm. Um, and I don't know about you, but my immediate instinct when I get one, into one of these tools is I want to see what it can do. 
and what 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 I can do next. And and the 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 you know logical outcome of that, of course, is that once the AI has created, you know one or two orders of magnitude more images than were there than it was originally trained on then the next generation of AI gets trained on that again I know it's so <laughs> it's, true it's, and it's then cultural evolution and yeah and because we um, tend to be um, like that short-term gratification like you know yeah. you could be fooled into thinking oh yeah this is me is it really me like all I've done is put in like a few search items and the AI's come up with something like in 3 seconds, 1 second, 5 second, 10 seconds depending on what you're asking and like am I really doing that much? Well, and and that comes back to the prompt engineer uh skill set, right? So hmm. there are people that are are very very skilled at honing, you know, and there are now complete there are websites now and um and you can basically, you know, uh pay for prompts which create you know really amazing images in a certain style that have been created so yeah look i, I think there's there's an infinite number of um uh parameters here um and i'm i'm really interested to see how it all uh, uh pans out but i think 2022 was the year when uh, and we've seen this coming for quite a long time um i actually ran, used to run an ai think tank um over here in new zealand uh you know maybe uh, oh, from up to 2020 um and we could see this technology advancing and we could see the early prototypes of it, but uh, you know, it's taken you know two years now from there for it to become real and, and rolled out to the general oh, public. Yeah. So wow. yeah, I think you're going to see the, the same order of magnitude oh. change again in the next six months. And like, these are such big things like, you know, this chat GBT, we could go on and on. You can have like just a whole hour yeah. plus you could go on for days. And some people in some of the, um, you know, online social rooms are doing, just that yeah. but if we move on what's the um, move on. next big highlight you've got going on in, uh, look, in... So, so actually um, it, it's got a connection back to OpenAI so OpenAI founder Sam Altman um, who is a billionaire Sam Altman as he, as he is known mm-hmm. um, w- uh, is also an investor in um, a nuclear fusion uh, startup called Helion um, so nuclear fusion is basically the uh, chemical reaction which goes on in the sun um, where uh, atoms fuse to, hydrogen atoms fuse together um, and release energy. And if you may have heard uh, on the wires just before Christmas in a U.S. lab, um, uh, sustained fusion uh, was was um, uh, created. And this this is basically the promise of free green energy, right? The only um, uh, you know the only side side products of this are uh, is, is water, right? Um, and so, you know, but, but it, fusion, you know, the promise of fusion was sort of disco- discovered, um, you know, back, back, I think, in about the 1930s, uh, so almost a, a century ago. Um, and, you know, the, it's been a, it, lots of people investing in it. Um, and, and I'd say it is, it is the promise of infinite free energy uh, just by um, creating and then sustaining a nuclear fusion reaction. Um, so there was a big breakthrough uh, before Christmas, but, but the most people are, you know, have been projecting that fusion is still maybe 20 to 30 years away from becoming commercial. But um, Altman just let slip that he thinks uh, that they uh, are going to have um, a pretty compelling demo within uh, the next two to three years with Helion. And he actually said, you know, if he can get it through the regulators, uh, then you could uh, could well see a nuclear fusion plant connected to the uh, the grid in the US by 2028. Wow. So that's in five it's years' time. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's incredible. And how's this? So, you know, the sun 
does our real sun, like what well, the sun that exists does, is, is you know doing a nuclear fusion thing. It's saying it has, I think it said five hundred. Oh, was it five billion years or something left, or it might run out? Um, but I've come across some news, and I've just looked it up now. Uh, so this headline is China's one trillion artificial sun fusion reactor. Yes. So, so there's a there's a technology race. There's a number of research teams around the planet mm-hmm. that are uh, working on this problem, and and they create these um, amazing looking reactors called the tokamak. So it's a big sort of magnetic uh, uh, disc. Um, which if you go onto onto Google and just take you know um, or, or or Dali uh, in fact and, and you know draw me a picture of a tokamak, um, then you know they are incredible devices to sustain um, and to you know to start off these reactions and sustain them. So effectively, it is yeah exactly that running a little tiny star um, on on the planet. You know, so what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> totally. I think it's time for another break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if my heart's hurting as well as my head. <laughs> Southern FM. And we are TechLoad. You're listening to Ben Reed. He's going to talk us through some of the other highlights from the Mimia newsletter. So you can read or subscribe on Mimia, M-E-M-I-A, substack.com. So, yeah, Ben, what are some other headlines you've got? Oh, thanks, Sandra. Um, yeah, look, so we, we've gone through nuclear fusion. Um, just one of the other stories this week, uh, and this was um, The Economist uh, uh, magazine pointed this out, that this year um, we're expecting the first private uh, company to land a spacecraft uh, on the moon. Um, and so up until now, you know, all lunar missions have been uh, sponsored by governments. And obviously there was the amazing Apollo program um, way back in the in the 60s. Um, 1670s, which you know, again, I sometimes go go back and and listen and you know watched a few of the documentaries on that recently, um, and it, it's just quite quite incredible. Do you ever you imagine know, yourself the, as an astronaut? <laughs> I, I, I would rather sort of put a virtual reality headset on and and uh, and um, yeah, experience it uh, so you, at, at a distance. <laughs> so you're not going to so you're going to be like right in the metaverse there, but you're not going to volunteer to be on Mars. No, no, I'm quite risk averse. Um, the older I get, fun. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I don't know. I don't, are yourself? Are you are you planning on the? No, on no, no, no. I think we've got enough challenges uh, here on Earth, and it is a beautiful yeah. planet. And uh, so, yeah, my feet are grounded yeah. here on Earth. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I really enjoy the science fiction of uh, um, you know on colonizing the moon and colonizing Mars as well. And um, Kim Stanley Robinson's. Uh, you know, Mars trilogy, Red Mars, uh, Blue Mars, Green Mars, just absolutely incredible, uh, you know, foresight and thinking about everything that would be involved in, in colonizing and, you know, and the wars it would lead to and so on. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'll be keeping my feet firmly down on the planet for the time being. Um, anyway, just to, just to wrap up, yeah, so the, uh, there are, there are actually three lunar missions, um, you know, uh, by private companies that are being, uh, attempted this year, so uh, one Japanese and two two American companies, um, and yeah, it could be as early as April this year that the first uh, um, uh, the, f- the, f- the first lander uh, lands on the moon, um, and you know this raises really interesting questions that you know that we really haven't come across in in a few centuries now. In that you know the, who actually owns the resources on the moon um, in, in a legal sense, and so. You know, there's been a few treaties since 1967 um, that you know some countries have signed up to, but others, including America and China and Russia, um, have rejected. 
Uh, and so, you know, you could actually see this, you know, Wild West um, uh, gold rush uh, happen in many ways if, if, you know, there are lots of resources that can be mined and, you know, and lands that can be uh, used. Uh, and, you know, we work out ways of, um, of living, you know, on the moon, uh, for example, then, yeah, it's makes some, some really interesting, tricky legal questions about, you know, wh- who, is it, a, is it a, a national government or is it an international United Nations totally. organization or is it actually private companies that own yeah. lunar resources? Yeah. And we've covered on TechLoad um, over the years, like, you know, and it is happening. I think in China they have like an AI judge and, you know, there are a lot of platforms and technology that's used and there's been the talk about will lawyers be replaced, but it seems like there's still a lot of work for lawyers. Yes. <laughs> um, although although uh, it may not be very long uh, before ChatGPT can write a contract, I've seen some conversations um, happening around that, that, you know, yeah, write, write me a contract for this uh, in uh, you know Australian law and New Zealand law, and um, yeah, yeah wow, totally. it, it's pretty doable. Um, yeah, uh, so just a couple of other stories that I, that I came across this week. Uh, so Boston Dynamics, so uh, you may have um, seen uh, that company is owned by Hyundai now um, from Korea, uh, but they are makers of you know the world's most um, agile robots, and you may have seen you know, Spot ah, the Dog. Uh, yes, I have, and I've seen a clip recently where um, there's a, a construction worker and yeah. he's like working on something on a platform, and he says, "Oh my goodness, I've left my toolkit behind." <laughs> and then exactly you've got it. the yeah. robot doing—I think it does a somersault at the end. Like I don't know, maybe I've yeah. imagined that, but he, the, the robot may as well have also done the somersault, and he gets the kit <laughs> to the construction worker. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, like all of Boston Dynamics uh, videos, it's, it's very entertaining. And it certainly shows you the capability um, of, of the technology. And, and you know, this, this, the technological challenge of um, creating an autonomous robot that can balance, that can jump. Uh, you may have seen them um, uh, doing uh, parkour, uh, running. You may have seen them doing a dance uh, number. Um, and so, yeah, this is absolutely the latest one where it's uh, they've, they've given Atlas the robot, the humanoid robot, um, uh, hands, which are where it can actually pick up an object. Uh, and grip it uh, with some hands and then balance using that. So, look, it's a really challenging problem um, to solve. And, you know, the challenge here isn't just actually giving a robot hands and getting it to uh, do the demo with the builder. I mean, that's all very scripted and very, um, you know, in a controlled environment. But, you know, what you actually really need is an army of robots on uh, on a construction site, for example, uh, you know, working, and you've got this concept of a cobot, which is a collaborative robot, which you know works alongside the humans and does some of the, you know, heavy lifting and maybe the repetitive jobs, and the humans can, um, you know, do some of the more higher cognitive tasks, maybe. Um, yeah, so it's it's a hard challenge, but you know, within five to ten years, I think you're definitely going to see some of these the, the price points on these robots come right down. I mean, the Spot Dog, Spot Robot, um, allegedly is about seventy thousand US dollars. Um, a few, a couple of years ago, and you know the prices will come down. So that's the thing with technology: as it gets better and better, the price comes down uh, exponentially, as well as the capabilities go up. And then you've got other companies working on this. Um, and so uh, Dyson, uh, James Dyson, is uh, investing in a couple of very large uh, research facilities now in the UK and Singapore to develop, you know, home help robots. Mm. Um, and so you know, it'd be amazing if basically the entire house. 
um, you know, was uh, cleaned and just Oh, totally. I remember and, yeah. I remember years back, I mean, this must go back about ooh, probably about seven, eight years ago, I had a friend um, that was living in Austria at the time and uh, they had that robot, that circular robot that's really well known now, but maybe not Roomba, back then. Yeah. yeah, and it was amazing. And it's like, well, it just keeps working, doesn't it? And the floor is clean. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is as long as your dog hasn't uh, done dug it, done done uh, had an accident, in which case it's sort of uh, well, oh, really? it's heard the story. Yeah, it gets dragged dragged around the house a little bit. Not a pleasant thing to come home to. Um, yeah, but uh, and then yeah, Elon Musk, uh, Tesla, he's also uh, working on a robot called uh, Optimus. Um, but uh, you know they've got a long way to go. It was uh, they did a little uh, demo of that last year. It was a little bit embarrassing. They it was like straight out of HBO's Silicon Valley. Um, comedy where you, you had this robot on stage, you had three <laughs> engineers in t-shirts sort of hoping it to walk uh, oh along. <clears throat> that yeah, is crazy. That. And I know the other um, highlight you want to talk about is, is it the map of the Milky? What's that yeah, about? Yeah, well, just one, well, just very quickly, um, I, I lo- I'm just, you know, cosmology and, you know, our place in the universe fascinates me completely. And, you know, w- when you look up at the sky, uh, we, we can't see anything, you know, with the naked eye. So um, just this, just last week, astronomers released just a gargantuan survey um, of uh, the galactic plane of the Milky Way, and they identified like 3.32 billion celestial objects. Um, Take a look at the newsletter and look at the links. The images are absolutely incredible. Yeah, that is brilliant. And so just before you go, Ben, what is your favorite meme? Have you been able to come up with anything or a couple? (laughs) I I have a lot. I'll basically choose one that I put in the newsletter in uh, my book, Fast Forward Out of this week, which is um, uh, Homer Simpson and Bart Simpson and Bart going, this is the hottest year ever. And then Homer going, this is the hottest year ever so far. <laughs> A climate change thing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Ben, for being on the show. And great to have you here on Tech Load. Uh, join me, Sandra Spencer, on Southern FM next week.